guys are barrels of fun. I mean, I feel like I, as a person, am 11 and 15 right now. This is section 422. Welcome to the section 422 podcast. It is Monday, September 14th, 2020. Derek Van Riper here with Will Salmon. It was a frustrating weekend for the Brewers. On this episode, we'll discuss how the 19-run outburst in Detroit last week did not carry over for the home weekend series against the Cubs. That series concluded with a no-hitter thrown by Cubs starter Alec Mills. We'll talk about that performance. We'll talk about the Brewers missing offense, and we'll take a look ahead to the second to last week of the regular season, the Brewers sit at 20-24, and 24, but they play five games in a span of three days with two doubleheaders against the Cardinals on tap, a day off Thursday, three against the Royals. So an eight-game week, which means really eight opportunities to put themselves back into the driver's seat, at least for a wild card spot in the NL. So even though they're four below 500, Will, you can't quite write this team off despite the fact that we're talking about them the morning after they were no hit by a number five starter. Things move so fast in this season, man. Like you could go from one day feeling like this is the end of the season. It has all unraveled. It's all over to just, it was just Saturday night when they were an inning away from moving within what a a game of 500 and feeling like they could catch not only a wild card, but you were looking at the standings and you're like, oh, wow, they're suddenly not too far off the Cubs either if they win this game. Um, and it was like, no, that, that gets crossed off right away uh, after Josh Hader blows that save. And they come back and they lose on, on Sunday as well in um, probably the, the worst game the Brewers have played in a very long time. Clearly their worst loss of the season. And... You know, I don't, I don't want to even go back far, further to see how where it ranks in their worst losses in recent memory, but it was a bad one. You know, it was really awful, and so here we are. And I think like your point that you just made with the, that Tigers game where they scored 19 runs, maybe there isn't a carryover effect with no hitter. Who knows? I mean, things move so quickly here that if they sweep two games in a double header on Monday, they are pretty much what tied with the Cardinals. Yeah, the Cardinals still have four games in hand on them, and you know the Brewers have lost those four extra games. But yes, they can flip it in one day. By the end of the day Monday, the outlook can be completely different. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So it's like as bad as it is right now. And don't get me wrong, it's bad. <laughs> it's 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 as bad as it has. It can't get any worse. I feel like that's the thing for the Brewers because the Brewers are a team that, like we've talked about, every time we see them take a step. They take two steps backward. It's every single time they do that. Um, and they're just running out of opportunities to keep that going. They have to they have to win some games. And it's hard to like be super optimistic about a team that has yet to win more than three games in a row all season. And so the further from 500 you get, right now they're at four, they're four games below, which is the worst they've been, tied for the worst they've been for a couple of times now. Um but the further you get away from that, the harder it's going to be for a team that is yet to put together any sort of winning streak this year of any sort of notoriety. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about Sunday that's particularly frustrating is when you look back at how 
that actually unfolded. Alec Mills, I mean, look, it's a no-hitter. He claimed his place in Cubs history and, and broader baseball history by throwing a no-hitter. It was five strikeouts and three walks, and he had allowed 11 hard-hit balls. It wasn't this completely dominant performance. I guess the <laughs> the elephant in the room is the fact that the Brewers um, you know, allowed 12 runs. So even if they hadn't been babbipped in a no-hitter, uh, they were you know, not preventing runs, so it wouldn't have mattered. They would have lost 12-3 or 12-4. Um, but I think the the gut punch on, on Saturday is the one that sticks with me. It's worse than the no-hitter because you shouldn't lose when you have a bullpen game and you get to the situation where you can go Williams and Hayter to close it out. Everybody else up to that point did their job, right? When you get Suter to come out and pitch as well as he did for three innings, you get the innings you need from Yardley and Claudio and Freddie Peralta. That's the dream scenario for a bullpen game. Everyone doing exactly what they're capable of doing. And then you have the extreme outlier random outcome of Josh Hader giving up a home run to Jason Hayward, a lefty. A lefty who's very bad against lefties. That's the part that I think will stick with me for a long time, more than the no-hitter in this series. It's a good question, right? Which one? Which which loss is worse? <laughs> is it the Saturday one or the Sunday one? I go Sunday actually, just because we've seen it before, where they lose a heartbreaking game and they come back. Right? Um, this was a time where they didn't. They just it it looked as if. And I'm with Craig Council, who said, "Look, how, how do you measure this? I'm never a subscriber of this belief, and neither am I uh, about the sort of." When you have a game like that and all of a sudden it kind of carries into the next game almost seamlessly and all the feelings look like the same. It's it's really hard for me to get on board with that too, but you just there was something about it that like when you were watching it, you sort of felt that. And I felt that on Sunday where they were st- they for whatever reason it looked like they were still carrying that loss from Saturday night into the game because it wasn't just that they got no hit. Because like you said, they actually, I don't want to say they, they performed well at all. They didn't, obviously, clearly. But they hit the ball hard. Um, you know, Mills got only five whiffs from the Brewers. I mean, it was a game that hasn't happened since Dallas Braden's perfect game for for that number to be that low and a no-hitter. Uh, but for me, it was a game where they committed three errors. They had two runs score on a sacrificed fly. Their manager got ejected. Orlando Arcia was pitching again. Like it was just one of those games where it's like we're getting too late in the season for these things to be happening. It's September thirteenth, at least it was on that on the day of that game, and Orlando Arcia has no business pitching his second game of the season when it's the middle or end of September here, and just to see those things happen and just another performance where they don't put together and they don't get a hit at all and they don't do anything with guys on base because they had the three walks and it was just it was abysmal and for me that makes it even worse than the Saturday one yeah that uh, sums it up pretty much perfectly well it 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 is because it's like as frustrating as Saturday's loss is to just no show on Sunday has to be more frustrating. The beautiful thing about baseball is waking up the next day and oftentimes having a game. If something doesn't go well the day before, you can if you have a short memory, you can move on very quickly. And this five game stretch in three days, that could define the season. 
it, it's easy to see that. We've talked about this for a few weeks now. Any one series, if it's a sweep in either direction, could be the boost the Brewers need to actually make it to the postseason or the last nudge before the season goes completely off the rails. And I keep looking at this pitching staff. I look at the matchups. I look at the problems they're having with a little bit of an injury issue for Brett Anderson right now. He didn't make that start on Saturday because of his hip. That's why they went with the the bullpen approach. And I wonder, I'm, I'm wondering, where are they going to get the innings on Monday and Wednesday with two games on both of those days? Like Corbin Burns is going to start one of the games in Monday's doubleheader, and Woodruff's going to start one on Wednesday. But how are they going to get through this stretch, having just pulled the bullpen game trick a few days ago to get through that game Saturday against the Cubs? Well, although Hauser's start was shortened, he only went, what, four innings again on Sunday? They didn't really have to use their... And they didn't use any of their ace relievers. The game was over. It was a no-hitter. It was 12 nothing. Like I said, it was their worst loss in a long time. Um, so they didn't have to use anybody. And so you're basically getting everybody who pitched. And even though Josh Hader and, and Williams were pitching on back-to-backs on fr- you know, Friday and Saturday, you think that they're all available right for Monday right now. And so that's the fact that they got blown out. Um, they didn't have to use their ace relievers. They went with... Uh, J.P. Fireisen, Drew Rasmussen got an inning. Orlando Arcia clean, you know, a mop up <laughs> duty. So you don't have his services for the doubleheader, unfortunately. I assume um, he he wasted all of his sixty mile an hour fastballs in that final inning. So um, I think that you're in decent shape for a doubleheader. The Cardinals are like used to this by now. Like they they must be like the the masters of of utilizing their staff. You also have the ability to call somebody up from Appleton for this game as well, um, for this day, I should say. And I assume that would be a pitcher, and that should help you out. So I think they're in okay shape, because I think at this point, like you figure with Corbin Burns pitching the second game, you could almost bank on him to give you a, a, a quality start here. I think that that's... He's at that point where he's reached the level of confidence where anything less than six innings is like, oh wow, what happened? Like, what what went wrong at this point? And then that's we we've gotten to that point fairly quickly with him um, because we were just at a point uh, four or five weeks ago where we were like, when is he going to get out of the fourth or fifth inning in a start? Um, but it's the opposite now, and so I feel like they're in decent shape. It just depends on how things go on Monday because they also have the doubleheader on Wednesday after the single game on Tuesday. So I feel like for Monday they're in good shape, but because of the the taxing that's been going on over the weekends and depending on what happens on Monday, I'm not so sure about Tuesday and Wednesday. I mean, I think one key is Josh Lindblom and what he's able to provide. The thing I do like about the doubleheaders in the schedule this year, the seven-inning length of the game actually is a good thing. I I wasn't sure about it when they announced it. It seemed something that they had to do it by necessity, but I almost wonder if doubleheaders in the future are going to be seven innings because it doesn't mess up the bullpen quite as much for future days, which is a good thing. And if you think about starters now with so few starters going you know much beyond five innings league-wide you have a chance for your better starters to just give you a complete game like I, I, I like increasing the probability of that I mean we're talking about Corbin Burns is a guy that had seven 
scoreless innings against the Tigers last time out. His great performance, 11 Ks, just one hit, was probably overshadowed by the rare outburst from the Brewers' offense. And yeah, I mean, he he has reached that level where I see I see Corbin Burns' name on the schedule, and I think, okay, six quality innings, maybe more. That's what we're going to get. And I just think it's it's the other guys. It's on days when it's not Burns and it's not Woodruff. It's a total mystery box. When you've watched Lindblom working out of the bullpen, have you felt like you've seen improvement? Is he locating pitches better? Does the stuff look any more crisp? Is there any reason to be optimistic about him as he takes the ball on Monday? Yes, it all looks better, but he was pitching in games where the outcome was largely decided already, and so it was a pretty you know, chill atmosphere. I mean, it was that... Uh, lopsided game in Cleveland where he got that first opportunity, uh, that that first inning, um, and then afterward uh, against the Tigers as well, right? So it's like he was in these positions where he just had to throw strikes, uh, just get get some quick outs, and that's it. But I did like the fact that he was able to um, be a little bit more aggressive, and I think that's the key with Josh Lindblom, especially with his fastball. He has to get ahead in counts. Because what we saw in his in the times when he has struggled is sometimes his balls just do not look appealing at all to swing at. I mean, right out of the hand, it's pretty clear that they're going to be out of the strike zone and they're not anything worth swinging at. And so that puts him in a in a bind because all of a sudden he he gets into these two one three one counts and you know he's a veteran guy who knows how to get strikes, but. What also happens is that guys foul it off and then all of a sudden he's up to fifty pitches and you know, two plus innings or three innings. And it just makes for a really short and effective outing for him. So I, I think understanding what pitches he has immediately is going to be the, the biggest key for him because we could talk all the time about how many pitches the guy has and how cool that is. And it is pretty cool, but he has to throw at least two or three with conviction that worked for strikes, just like everybody else. And so uh, I'm excited about it, actually. And, you know, hey, even if he does just give you the, the four innings and maybe it's a two runs or three runs, whatever it is, that's fine in a seven-inning game. I mean, like we just said, the, the Hayter, Devin Williams, none of those guys pitched on Sunday. On Sunday. So, um, yeah, they, they should be okay with that. It's just a matter of is this, is this offense ever going to consistently uh, put together hits and, and score some runs because even after that 19-run outburst, they didn't do any of that. I mean, it was, what, three runs in, in the series against the Cubs? And that's just they're, – they're lucky to have won that one game. Three runs in three days and that one run on Friday night, yep, it was scratched out on a sack fly in the ninth inning to walk off the Cubs in that game. Uh, we're going to dig into some of the pitching matchups from the Cardinals' perspective for this series, and we'll take a look at the Royals' series for the next weekend as soon as we hear a couple words from our sponsors. Hi, I'm the Athletics' Joe Posnanski uh, for Indochino. You know, finding clothes that fit you just right can be incredibly challenging, especially for somebody like me who has uh, a body type I would call um, dumpy. It's tough to find anything that fits right. You know, I'm not really a large. I'm not really an extra large. I'm not really a double extra large. I'm not really anything. So it's obviously, it's fantastic. You go to Indochino. They have you uh, go through this entire fitting process where you give them 
basically every single bit of information that you have about yourself. Uh, you have every measurement you have, uh, who your favorite beetle is, uh, you know, what, what, uh, you believe about the infield fly rule. And, uh, and then you come out and, and they're, they're going to send you, uh, clothes that are, uh, that fit you really better than anything you could possibly get in the store. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, with Indochino, you get custom fitted suits, coats, casual wear, uh, at surprisingly affordable prices. Customize everything from the fabric and lining to the lapel shape and a monogram if you're a monogram kind of person. Uh, if you're getting married, Indochino is a no-brainer for you and your groomsmen. Forget about the off-the-rack suits that don't fit different body types. Indochino gives everyone a tailored fit. Visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more when you enter the code JOE at checkout. Look at that, JOE. It's for me. JOE at checkout. That's super easy to remember. You go to Indochino.com, and the promo code is JOE. This is The Athletic's Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. All right, Will, so we haven't seen the Cardinals yet this season. Of course, the doubleheaders are making up series from earlier in the year when the Cardinals were dealing with the COVID outbreak. And there's a few new faces in this mix. Uh, Kwang Young Kim, who's going to start one of the games in the doubleheaders, a lefty. Uh, he's one of those guys that the Brewers haven't seen before. And I, I kind of wonder, when things aren't going well offensively, does it even matter? Does seeing a pitcher you've seen before actually matter? Uh, Kim's pitched really well so far. This season, 21 and two-thirds innings, 11 Ks, six walks, but a .83 ERA and a .92 whip. So most teams who are seeing him for the first time are not doing much against him yet. He's gone at least five innings each of his last three times out. So, you know, it's going to be a righty-heavy lineup for that matchup with Kwang Hyung Kim being a lefty. And I guess it's maybe worth noting that the Brewers' 19-run explosion lineup from last week was a righty-heavy lineup as well. So maybe they can recapture the magic. But in all honesty, like, what kind of silver linings are you looking for when people ask you about this offense and, and ask you if it can get back on track? Like, I, I don't even know what evidence you could point to that things could turn around other than to say, oh yeah, it's baseball, and sometimes things just get better, and 
Maybe the Brewers haven't played their best baseball yet, and they're going to play it over the final two weeks of the regular season and carry that momentum into October. You know what I say, Derek? I say, let me think for a second. And then about 30 seconds pass, and I'm still trying to formulate thoughts in my mind. Um, You mentioned it, like the righty lineup, I I feel much more confident when they're against a left-handed pitcher. I I prefer the lineup with Ryan Braun in there, with Jed Jerko. Although he's playing now against right-handed pitching as well, you know he's going to be in the lineup versus lefties for for sure. Um, And so I just... Yeah, I, I like them with the lineup that they that they usually trot out against right against left-handers, and just on Braun. I mean, he wasn't in the lineup on Sunday when they got no hit, and he was the guy who, uh, you know, hit the home run recently and and had the sacrifice fly, and it just seems like he is getting going a little bit here in the stretch run, and so. That's the person that I would kind of point to, but I think when you're pointing to Ryan Braun in that way, your lineup is probably not doing too hot because he's he's past the time, well past the time in his career um, to be that guy for you. And although he has that clutch gene in, in him and he's going to produce when it matters most, I always have that confidence in him. Um, it's, just not, it's just not pretty when you have to come up with ideas and names and he's the one that comes to mind I feel like just because he is capable of doing it over the next two weeks but he's been in and out of the lineup so much he wasn't in the lineup on Sunday like I said so just the consistency is just not going to be there aside from him man I mean it's Dan Vogelback has had a couple of nice at-bats but I mean (laughs) he's not exactly the guy that is going to carry you these next two weeks I don't think and you know, you, you just need more from Christian Yelich, like we've been saying for the past two months almost now. Um, he had two balls hit against Mills that were with an exit velocity over 100 miles an hour. So it was frustrating in that sense to see him connect for, you know, on hits like that that just don't fall for hits. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a guy that's going to be the guy that's going to dictate the next two weeks for the Brewers. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, so much rides on Yelich having one of those traditional Christian Yelich heaters here down the stretch. The other pitching matchups in this series, we'll see Daniel Ponce de Leon in one of the games in Monday's doubleheader. Jack Flaherty, the Cardinals' ace, lined up to go Tuesday. Uh, is Brett Anderson good to go for that start? I mean, there's got to be at least some risk that he's somewhat limited when he takes the ball next time out. He's expected to pitch on on Tuesday. <laughs> that's that, I guess that's as far as I can go right now. Uh, he's expected to get the ball. He is slated to whatever verb you want to use. Uh, <laughs> he is going to talk to the media on Monday afternoon, actually. So after we're talking here for this podcast, we will hear from him. Um, so uh, Council had always said that it, he felt very optimistic that Anderson would pitch at some point in the series against the Cardinals after missing his start on Saturday. So I had all along expected him to, to do this, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see how long he lasts. He, for me, there haven't, there has not been anything that has gone too, that has gone too well for the Brewers off season into this season. But the David Phelps sign was a good one, of course. And I feel like Brett Anderson has pretty much done what you'd expect from Brett Anderson. I don't know. I mean, he could have, he, the numbers could be a little bit better, I suppose. Um, he, he, but he did have those ugly first couple of starts. 
since then, I feel like you've been pretty much getting what you sort of expect from Brett Anderson. So I anticipate more of that sort of sameness from him. Yeah, I mean, the low strikeout rate, heavy ground ball rate, that's sort of the story of Brett Anderson's career to this point. Uh, the other starters in the series, we'll see Adam Wainwright in one of the doubleheader games on Wednesday, and then Austin Gomber, another lefty, going on Wednesday as well. So I'm curious to see who gets the call from Appleton if they use any of those guys as bulk relievers. Uh, Trey Supak maybe is a guy that could come up and pitch multiple innings if needed during uh, Wednesday's doubleheader. Uh, off day Thursday, as I mentioned earlier, the Royals go to Milwaukee for a series Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You look at that matchup as it lines up right now. It would be Hauser, Burns, and Lindblom for the Brewers, Jake Junis, Chris Bubich, and Brad Keller, who I think had a shutout against the Pirates on Sunday going on Sunday against the Brewers. This is a good stretch of schedule because you have this opportunity at home to make up ground on the Cardinals and then take a bad team at home and possibly sweep them. Like If you want to be the really optimistic person, you could say, okay, the Brewers took three of five from the Cardinals and then swept the Royals. Okay, so you win six out of eight games this week. Your season looks really different one week from today than it looks right now. And I don't think that's unrealistic, even though we're talking about a team that has continued to struggle with the bat. Yeah, no, it's not unrealistic at all. It's just you just need things to really work out in the sense that I just feel like Corbin Burns, they have to win that game that he pitches against the Cardinals. That ha- that has to be one of those games. If you're talking about winning that series, it, you know, you could you could afford to lose the Limbloom game, I think, but you cannot lose the Burns one. You ha- you have to at least split the doubleheader on Monday. Um, but we, we just have to see better offense from this team. I mean, it's just mandatory because no matter what, it just always comes back to that. It was case in point over the weekend. I mean, you couldn't have had a better night of pitching than what they what they had on Saturday, and they still lost. Besides the hater one, of course, yeah, that was horrible. But the point is, is that they left a lot of runners on base in that game too. I mean, it wasn't just that hater blew the game. They had an opportunity in the ninth inning, and they and they wasted it. It was two runners on, nobody out. They didn't score, and that's the story of their season right there. So. Um, there, there's, there are paths that exist for the postseason with this team, regardless of how flawed they are. And we're in a season where mediocrity is rewarded and the Brewers are pretty mediocre, and yet they could still get in the playoffs. Uh, but <laughs> we've got to see something from this team. we got to see something offensively, and I'm just not sure if it exists. Well, you got to stay positive. If you're going to make it through the final two weeks of the season, and perhaps a lot of Brewers fans missed the game on Sunday because the Packers opened their season and looked really good. So if you need something to be optimistic about, if you happen to be a fan of both of those teams, hey, the Packers offense was firing at all cylinders in week one and got a win uh, over the Vikings. If you want to hear more about the Packers, check out the Athletics Packers podcast, Head of the Pack. Plenty to get excited about over there. That's Matt Schneidman and Bill Huber on the mic each and every week talking about the Pack. That is going to wrap things up for this episode of Section 422. If you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, you can get one for just $1 a month at theathletic.com slash 422. You can find Will on Twitter at Will Salmon. You can find me at Derek Van Riper. We are back with you next week from Section 422.